0: This week on The Futurists. In recent years, Tesla has really defied the skeptics and emerged as the preeminent electric car company in the world. Brett, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Um, I think that era has come to an end. Happy New Year. You are listening to The Futurists. I'm Rob Tercik with my co-host and business partner, Brett King. Hey, hey. Yes, I and am here. And this week, we've got a special guest, Katie King. Hi, Katie. Miss Metaverse. Hello.
1: I'm back. I'm back. Happy to be here. 2023. Let's go.
0: Happy to <laughs> have you back on the show. Uh, so you folks are over in Thailand right now. I can yes. see this nighttime where you are. It's daytime where I am. Thanks for staying up late to record this special edition of The Futurists. No problem. Welcome. Let's get into it. All right. This is the week that we're going to take the bold stab at the future. Each week on The Futurist, we ask our guests to make a bold forecast or even a prediction. Sometimes they're game to do it. Sometimes they'll make uh, forecasts and predictions and uh, talk about what they envision for the future going all the way out 30, 40 years out. This episode is our chance. Um, we're gonna do it. We're gonna put our hand on the flame because we're gonna actually put dates against our forecast. So pay attention to this show, folks. If you're listening, this is the chance to find out whether we're, we're right or wrong. Well, how shall we begin then, Brett? It's been a tumultuous year. 2022 was a surprising year. You know, Looking back at it, I don't think many people would have forecasted that Russia would create the largest land invasion in, in Europe uh, since World War II
2: and that then came as quite a recession that happened as a result you know yes um, which is uh we tried to deny it for a while because we did have um really good employment numbers which is counterintuitive to a traditional recession so this is the argument for why um you know uh, the Biden administration of course didn't didn't report the uh, recession in the early early quarters but it's pretty clear now that globally um you know the economy is depressed the question is how long does that continue into uh, 2023 I guess right
0: well, and everybody's saying that this year there will be a recession. I haven't heard anybody who hasn't said 2023 is gonna have a recession. So I guess the big question is how big or how deep or how long of a recession. Um, one of the interesting things to notice about the last three economic resets or economic corrections is um, in the past when there was a recession, uh, when the recession would last a while, you know, it might last a year and a half or two years. But in the last three recessions in the United States, Employment levels took a very long time uh, to restabilize. They did eventually restabilize, but they took years, many, many years. And what happened in the meantime was automation. Um, so, right. you know, employers took the opportunity during a recession to replace human workers with their software automation or robotic systems. Um, Brett, what's your intention you about the, that? Do you, you think that, that's well, going to happen?
2: Yeah, the optionality on that is in, obviously um, increasing so you, you're going to start to see experiments on the fringe of these um, spaces, like in the legal industry um, you know, and healthcare and so forth. You're seeing specialization. So in healthcare, you've got you know, oncology research looking at trying to get those diagnoses better and so forth. You've got surgical robots doing components. What you haven't got right now is the sort of administrative um, side of things. But when there's um, pressure on talent, then that's where you're going to go. You're going to be going for 40% of the cost of the healthcare system, at least in the United States. You're going to be looking after trying to uh, robo, you know, uh, uh, a robotic process, automate apply robotic process automation to those areas, right? So, um, and in the same process, hopefully, um, you know, getting the cost of it down. So I think that's a possibility off the back of the recession for sure.
0: I think it's true. I think uh, healthcare is is ripe for reinvention and it's ripe for some kind of streamlining. Uh, anytime you have an industry that's very expensive and produces a lousy consumer experience, and it's certainly true of healthcare in the United States, uh, that's an industry that's ripe for disruption. Uh, we had on our show in last year we had Dr. Philip Alvada on the show, and he was talking about AI and healthcare and how to drive down the cost curve. His example was a simple diagnostic that you do when you go see a doctor. Um, they they do uh, you know they just check your your weight and your blood pressure and so forth, and um, all of that now can be automated, uh, and that saves about two hundred fifty dollars per visit per office visit. So healthcare companies have a great deal of economic interest in automation. No doubt we'll see more and more of that. Uh, it looks like diagnosis is a big area, uh, you know, tracking and identifying and spotting patterns and then, um, and making it a correct. Uh, di- and, and, you know, I think the
2: evidence we've seen with the generative AI stuff, you know, the, um, the art generated and the language generated AI stuff, we are seeing that these deep learning algorithms are getting, getting much better at collecting data for reference purposes. And that's when you're talking about the advances in diagnostics, it's the same sort of sort of models they're building on the imagery that's yes. uh, used in those uh, disciplines. So, um, you know, there should be some crossover in terms of the advancements being made in those areas over the next couple of years as a result.
0: You know, it's quite astounding to me uh, looking at the the rapid take up of stuff like um, uh, ChatGPT and um, OpenAI's uh, Dolly2, and uh, stable diffusion and other systems for generating images. That was another big surprise from 2022. And those things existed. Dolly One had existed for some time beforehand. But the rapid improvement, I think, was what caught people off guard. Uh, I started paying attention in the spring of 2022. And by by fall 2022, those programs were quite good. They were not that great in the spring, and they were kind of weak in the summer. But you could see visible progress week after week after week. And I happen to be connected to a lot of folks who do art. Um, and some of them jumped into this whole hog, like they just went for it and decided to master the idea of uh, write prompts for image generating apps. That's yeah, uh, a whole new skill set now, right? Yeah, but you know, it's not, it's not very hard to replicate. You already have people claiming that someone ripped them off because they stole their prompt, which is just sort of, I think, funny since the systems are learned, are trained on huge amounts of artistic yeah, yeah, yeah. work that other people did. And so, like, you know, who's ripping off whom? <laughs> um, but what people don't seem to see is how that stuff connects together in, into displacing real workers from real jobs. It's not just the stock image business or you know the the illustration business that are going to be threatened. Of course, those will be. Uh, there are many other fields that are going to get disrupted. You can see advertising, um, especially social media marketing, being automated uh, to a level that's that's hard to imagine. Yeah. And um, you know, remember, Microsoft has the What you need is a creative director, really. Yeah, that's exactly it. So the human discernment and prompts are really going to be the place for humans to play and yeah, where to migrate yeah, to. Right. The actual, I, know, even, the,
2: I didn't even think about that aspect of it. On, on the, but you know, having worked in the agency side for many years,
0: yeah, yeah what's an agency? Scary. What uh, do you even need an agency for when you can go to ChatGPT and say, write a marketing email in five paragraphs that sells the virtues of this product, and it cranks it out, and it's better than something you would have written yourself? The next step yeah, is to true. automate that and schedule it. Yeah, uh, you know, because Microsoft. It has the commercial rights to the products from OpenAI. That means they're going to be able to integrate ChatGPT and soon GPT-4 into programs like Microsoft Word, Outlook, and PowerPoint. And so just imagine, you know, as soon you'll be able to say to um, to PowerPoint, you'll be able to talk to PowerPoint and say, crank out a 10-page slide deck in the Sequoia format for a startup company in healthcare, and it'll generate it automatically. And it so might that- even use, you know, imaging to make make the images for the slides as well. Well, what do you envision for 2023, Brett, when it comes to things like ChatGPT?
2: Well, you know, we do know the version four from OpenAI ChatGPT 4 will be released uh, probably around the middle of next year. And if the improvement that we've seen between version three and 3.5, or what we are known as ChatGPT these days, it, it sort of is consistent with what we see in version four, um, then already, you know, prepare to have your minds blown. But the word on the street is actually that GPT-4 will make a much more significant leap in capabilities. So um, I think we're going to have the first AI that passes a Turing test convincingly. And I think that's going to come out of ChatGPT-4. So that's wow. my big question.
0: I would guess that you could already uh, they could already pass the, the Turing test. What's, what is the Turing test for those who are listening?
2: Uh, well, in 1953, I think it was Alan Turing who was the um, great mind behind um, the code-breaking machine um, that broke the enigma in, in Second World War. Um, and he f- found founded ac- actually this sort of principle on thinking machines and what would define a thinking machine. And so I think it's 10 um uh, parts to the test but essentially if you can have a conversation with an ai and not know it's not a human then that's essentially um the core element of the turing test
0: so your forecast is that this is the year 2023 yeah. We're gonna we're gonna do that decisively,
2: or at least we'll have the claim that it can do it. Right? <laughs> so. I think we're already there.
1: What's happening too is, um, you know, they're they're rushing to start to be able to fingerprint GPT. Uh, so this way, yeah, a lot of people are going to be using it to create essays and whatnot. In fact, they actually made a new term for it called uh, AI algerism So instead of plagiarism, <laughs> it's uh, algorithm because it's AI assisted plagiarism. Crazy. So, uh, you know, actually, I think the next step, my prediction is, is that uh, we're going to be seeing people working for the AIs. So they'll be actually jumping in, taking these uh, AI plagiarized works, let's say, and helping create a custom version of it that people can use and pass it off. And, you know, it's it's kind of a backwards wave. It's what's happening right now. It's kind of
0: interesting. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. In fact, you could argue that we already are working for the AI, you know, when we're Um, when we're trying to guess or game the system and figure out how to write a good prompt, really that's the AI training us how to talk to it, how to to find the right words to get the result that we want. And, And it's worth noting that, you know, the millions of people that have been using Stable Diffusion and Dolly 2 and so on, that's free labor. Like people have been gleefully volunteering to train these AIs and that's a ton of money that these companies have saved in the process. Uh, So I think you're right, Katie, that the AI is going to condition the workforce. It's going to train the workforce, even as we're training it, how to think like us or how to talk like us. Imagine
2: even if um, like a band like the Beatles, the remaining members of the Beatles decided to release new music that was AI generated in the style of Beatles.
0: Hmm. Actually, scary thought, highly likely. (laughs) Um, You've probably already seen those AI generated images of what Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin would look like if they were still alive today. So we can even we can even generate the artists that are dead and bring them back to life, keep them working forever in virtual form. Grim stuff.
1: Isn't that an episode of Black Mirror?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, that's one of the things when we start talking about the future, it sure does seem like Black Mirror. Yeah,
2: uh, you know, but, but a part of that is the human behavioural element. And I think if we could get uh, people really um, sort of focused on mission, which I think, you know, it won't come in the next couple of years, but could come after that, particularly with the, the stuff around climate change. Um, what, what do you think about climate issues
0: uh, this year, Robert? I've got a lot to share on that subject. Yeah. But, you know, before we go there, let me just offer one other thought here, which is about games. And AI, because it kind of links together those two ideas. Okay. Uh, So, in the gaming industry, gaming is an interesting field, and we're going to have uh, Dean Takahashi come out. Dean uh, is a long-time observer us in the game industry, so he'll tell us about the future of games in a in a coming episode of the Futurists. That's going to cool. um, as a preview of that. There's nice. a big transaction that's about to happen. Uh, Microsoft wants to buy Activision. Activision is one of the biggest uh, independent studios that's left. Right. Gaming industry's gone through a tremendous wave of consolidation over the last decade. The biggest gaming companies in the world are now American. Uh, uh, Chinese company, Tencent is the biggest gaming company in the world. Sony is also a major player. And so Microsoft's trying to scale up to compete. Um, now, there's a lot more to the story than that, because as we've talked about on this show, Brett, several times, gaming is really the place where you're going to incubate the metaverse. So if the metaverse or some sort of 3D world really does happen, it's very likely to occur inside of an online game. That's a, that's a great starting point for it. And arguably today, the best versions of the metaverse are inside of game worlds like Fortnite, um, oh, yeah. so Microsoft's making a huge play in this space. Uh, the, for their focus is more industrial, like simulated three oh, yeah. D environments for for business. Um, but this is their their consumer aspect is to go after yeah, games. Yeah, but they're so good they Minecraft, want to don't forget, right? They do yeah so they taking do Minecraft and into the multiverse is a no-brainer right that's a that's Not a builder a tool yeah and that really is important because uh in the metaverse everybody's metaverse. gonna be a creator right so people are gonna make stuff so companies that have good builder tools are gonna be the ones that get the best users yes. and Microsoft's been been acquiring a lot of uh a lot of um communities gaming communities they have been very focused on that uh they also own LinkedIn so they have business community as well and um uh, so, so anyway, that's some of Microsoft's strategy. However, they've run into uh, a lot of resistance with this acquisition. So, this would be if Microsoft were to buy Activision, it would be the largest uh, acquisition in the gaming business. And um, both the EU and the United States government have uh, have indicated that they're going to fight it. And the U.S. is suing Microsoft to stop the, stop it. That's a, um, the Federal Trade Commission, uh, which is led by headed by Lennox on an antitrust basis. That's exactly right. Uh, right. So Microsoft has been down this road before. Uh, what's interesting is um, the the president, Microsoft, has resisted it. He said they've tried to play nice with the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission. They're going to fight it. So we're going to see this epic fight. My okay. forecast is that Microsoft will will prevail. Uh, I think that the uh, US government is going to have a hard time proving that Microsoft is in any kind of position to dominate the gaming space because they're not right. the biggest company in the world. Um, and if they don't allow this merger to occur, you're gonna have two wounded giants in the United States who are both vulnerable, or in some respects, to these larger international players. Yeah, so we'll find out this year. But anyway, in the gaming space, I think uh, a, a deal with a lot of implications for the metaverse and immersive uh, 3D worlds. Well, on that, what about
2: um, what about the uh, Apple reality glasses coming out? It um, yeah. could be later this month, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's going to be huge. I mean, not only is it just going to be about the augmented reality and the head mounted display tech, um, can't believe that we're going to get it this year, um, (laughs) the, the other element of it is that, you know, we have a whole new world of apps coming. Like, um, because the visualization of content and, you know, inter- and making it smartly interactive is going to be such an art. It's going to be very different from mobile. So you have to have new content created for this as well, which is going to create a whole new series of uh, businesses, uh, off of these augmented reality apps. So, um, that, you know, we're actually going to see the start of that this year.
0: I think that's right. Uh, everything up to this point has been preliminary and, and, and as a historical parallel. I'd point to uh, companies like Rim and Palm and Nokia in the mid2000s. Uh, those companies were all making a version of a smartphone, you know sort of like a prototype of a smartphone. At the time they were called smartphones, but they weren't that smart and um, they weren't that capable and they hadn't figured out the app model. The app store model wasn't really working. You had to go through your mobile operator in 2005 to buy uh, any kind of downloadable item.
2: The fintech um, you know boom is is due to the mobile smartphone.
0: You know? Yeah, that's right. It extended into really every aspect of life. Uh, so the big question is, will AR and maybe VR, augmented reality or virtual reality or mixed reality or extended reality, will these devices replace the smartphone? Will they be an extension of the smartphone? Will they further entrench companies like Apple and Google in this space? Or will a new company displace them? You know, Meta, Meta has been betting the bank on displacing Apple. There's a kind of an open rivalry between Facebook and Apple. Um, and, um, you know, Mike, Mark Zuckerberg's not has not hesitated to throw billions of dollars at the problem. You know, arguably, right. the MetaQuest is the best virtual reality device. I like it. It's it's an awesome device. The problem is that people don't use them very much. The average MetaQuest is used multiple times. Basically, it's expensive. thing call it dust. dust. Uh, so you guys talked about that on your show. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we talked about Pico as well, which is interesting because I saw a stat the other day that uh, the Pico Four headset is actually the fastest growing headset that's being used on Steam VR. So these gamers aren't nearly going to Meta. They're branching out now, and uh, you know, HTC coming out with new. Uh, A headset as well that I think is going to release at CES. And uh, yeah, there's a bunch of new VR, AR headsets coming out, but there's also sort of a division between, uh, you know, ones that are going to be used with the smartphone, which we see uh, mostly in Asia as well. Like Mm -hmm. uh, OPPO has one that's used with the smartphone. It's basically extension where you get to see a a screen. um, Instead of having an actual television screen, you put on the glasses and you have this, you know, personal screen. It's kind of a niche way of making it work, I guess, for now. Uh, But we will be seeing more these uh, smartphone compatible devices, um, as well as the Ray-Ban stories. Have you seen that yet? No. Oh, yeah, Ray-Ban story. These are really interesting. So Ray-Ban actually did a collaboration with Meta to mm-hmm. come up with their own, uh, let's say, uh, prototype glass because Meta hasn't initially come out with our glasses yet. So mm-hmm. they're collaborating with other companies like Ray-Ban to kind of test starters and see how it goes. Now, Ray-Ban stories... Uh, they priced around $200 to $300, and they're kind of neat. You know, they, they have uh, dual 5-megapixel uh, cameras. They have three microphones, a voice touch control, that, and it comes in a charging case. So this is kind of like a step uh, getting towards better uh, AR, VR glasses, like we'll be seeing with the Apple AR, VR glasses, which will be in an entirely different price range, likely around 3000
0: you know, it makes sense for Apple to do the same, right? Because they already have such a dominant position with the smartphone. And bear in mind, you know, these this these last two generations of uh, iPhone have already got ultra wideband connectivity built into them. Exactly. So that means it'd be very easy or to stick an accessory processor. on your face that doesn't need to have all the battery power for um, processing and for network connectivity. You have all that with your phone. Um, so right. then so the strategy then is it's uh it's an extension of the phone as opposed to a, a replacement for the phone clearly meta wants to make it a replacement right so you're going to see two strategies emerge here uh an incremental strategy where we where incumbent companies will reinforce or buttress their position by just making the uh, AR VR device an accessory and then another uh, the displacement theory which would be you know companies like meta where you, you get rid of the smartphone completely and you wear some sort of headset. It'll be an interesting battle. Uh, so, yeah, great. We're going to start to see that battle happen this year. Anyone want to make a forecast about who's going to win the AR and VR sweepstakes?
1: Ooh, hard to say. I mean, I'd like to I'd yeah, like definitely. to think that Meta's going to still come back and survive, but I, I'd like to see some new game changers. I give it 50-50 that Meta will reign on. But we shall see. We shall yeah. see. I wanna I wanna I mean, see what the new HTC headset is as well, because they yeah. had a lot of potential, but hasn't quite delivered yet.
2: I mean, to it me does up. have the advantage of the fact that you can say you don't need to buy an expensive phone to do this, yeah. right? Um, and so there is, I think, you know, there's going to, you know, it, it, it's the analogy would be Android versus Apple, right? Is that, or, you know, a Samsung, a lot more people would be happy to buy a Samsung at a little bit of lower
0: price range um, than, than an iPhone, right? Um, Candidly, I'm surprised that Google hasn't applied the exact same strategy here of not necessarily yeah. building the devices, but providing the software in order to extend their advertising Uh, And the other element
2: is if you look at the analogy of, um, you know, the, the early mobile phone ecosystems where the expectation was that, you know, the mobile companies would have that advantage well, they lost that advantage, um, and it was mainly around hardware, right? But it was around operating system of the hardware. So then if you, you could use the analogy, it depends really on the operating system of the AR and the connectivity of it. And. The work effect that happens there and things like that, it doesn't necessarily depend on, you know, that pedigree of who's produced better devices on mobile in the past, yeah.
0: right? It clearly doesn't because companies like Motorola and Nokia and Ericsson were the dominant players, you know, they invented the mobile phone business and they all got blown away. Like all those companies yeah. just got completely sideswiped by Google and Apple uh i think we're probably likely to see something like that i would never bet against apple so my betting is going to be apple is going to win they don't release products until they know they work the first generation is never the one to pay attention to it's always going to be the next two just like microsoft so we'll see something from apple at some ungodly price point two thousand dollars or something it'll yeah. probably be pretty impressive and it'll be out of reach but developers will buy it and they'll start to build cool experiences and one thing right. we know, it will ha- it'll be tightly integrated into Apple's ecosystem because that's mm-hmm. what they have to defend. Really. Um,
1: All leading we- up to the Apple car.
0: What do you think the applications are going to be? Because the Federal Trade Commission is trying to block Meta from doing a fitness app. They wanted to acquire a fitness app and Meta's fighting that as well. Uh, that's another. Well,
2: you know, I, I think it's not only going to be fitness, but I think the healthcare implications, you know, of, of this on an overall basis Um you know, being able to self-diagnose and things like that. It, it's just incredible to sort of see how or you know the educational impact of this all, all of that changes the way we think about um you know um the current system. So so, so
1: healthcare definitely needs to be decentralized, that's for sure.
2: And We need to call it M it like V yeah. commerce or m commerce, vision commerce or unfortunately. Or, you know, meta, yes, meta-
0: yeah, medical. we're going to get a new, a new acronym. Uh, you know, I think that creativity tools are a space to keep an eye on. I've always been a huge fan of Tilt Brush, uh, which is one of the earliest I VR do. apps. And it's one of my favorites because it, you can make stuff. I imagine that in these vir- virtual worlds, we're all going to be creating things. And so we'll need better tools for doing that. So you probably see all this automation that we've seen in uh, generating images, it'll get modified or adapted to generating 3D things, 3D objects, and 3D worlds. And there'll probably be a suite of VR creator tools that allow you to build, build environments and share them with friends. Which, by the way, is something I think would be kind of fun to do. That would that would certainly change social media, uh, maybe for the better. Yeah. Well. Let's take a quick break. For, let's take a break, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we, will, we will skip our usual rapid fire round. Uh, let's take a little pause yeah. here. Stay tuned. This is the forecast episode for 2023 and beyond. We'll be right, right, back, right back after this short break.
2: Provoke Media is proud to sponsor, produce, and support the Futurist podcast. Provoke.fm is a global podcast network and content creation company with the world's leading fintech podcast and radio show, Breaking Banks. And of course, its spin off podcasts, Breaking Banks Europe, Breaking Banks Asia Pacific, and the FinTech Five. But we also produce the official Finnovate podcast, Tech on Reg, Emerge Everywhere, the podcast of the Financial Health Network, and Next Gen Banker. For information about all our podcasts, go to provoke.fm or check out Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. welcome back to the futurists uh we have a week of forecasts what are the things we're going to see over the next uh, you know 12 months in 2023 that are really going to be game changers in terms of the longer term future and uh you know we've been getting into that before the break um you know arvr the metaverse smart glasses uh you know ai developments and so forth but uh let's uh, let's continue so rob what are, what do you think about uh the progress on electric vehicles?
0: So the last couple of years have been extraordinary. The progress has been tremendous. We've seen, uh, you can. it's one of those technologies that you can see on the street, you notice it. And suddenly electric vehicles are everywhere. Charging stations are everywhere. And you know, Brett, for a long, the longest time, I thought that Tesla had a lock on the future of the car. And clearly I'm not the only one who thought that because Tesla was the most valuable auto company. At one point, the valuation of the company was greater than all other auto companies combined, <laughs> which seemed kind of extraordinary. And, and remember the, uh, the German auto manufacturers threw their hands in the air and they said, in terms of AI and software, Tesla has us beat They're five or six years ahead and so forth. So um, in recent years, Tesla has really defied the skeptics and emerged as the preeminent electric car company in the world. Brett, I'm gonna make a bold prediction here. Um, I think that era has come to an end. Uh, I think that Tesla is gonna be challenged. And I think that, actually they already are a challenge. That's not much of a prediction. Here's my prediction. I think that in the next two years, by 2025, Elon Musk will no longer be the CEO of Tesla. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I know there's a ton of Tesla fans and a ton of Elon Musk fans out there. So give me a chance to explain where I'm coming from and then uh, fire away. You didn't uh, you didn't uh, say Twitter, you said Tesla, right? Tesla, that's exactly right. So, uh, a <laughs> big, big factor though is the is is uh, the investment in Twitter. The takeover of Twitter is as preoccupied um Musk. It's quite obvious. And as a result, uh, Tesla's in trouble. Uh, Tesla's stock was down t- 65% in 2022, and already this year we're only a few days into 2020 2023 and Tesla's stock is down a further 5%. Uh, Now, stocks go up and down. uh, The stock market itself has been volatile and so forth. So there's a lot of reasons to say, like, well, hang on a second. Why is that such a big deal? I mean,
2: fundamentally, they're still doing very well. The top selling EVs in the world last month. That and is true. it was a Tesla Model Three and a Tesla Model Y. You that's know, right, and, still... and it's the most
0: profitable car company in the world, and that's what people like about it. It's what investors have liked about it. But there is a concern that Musk has become distracted, and I think there's a bigger set of issues that come along with that. Um, it's not just that Musk is distracted by by the Twitter acquisition. I think that's palpably obvious uh, to everybody who's paying paying attention. It's that Musk is no longer cool. Back in 2010, Elon Musk could do a guest appearance in Iron Man in a Disney film, uh, Iron Man, uh, because he was kind of like Tony Stark. You know, people thought of him as this guy who could solve every problem in the world. He was, seemed like he seemed like kind of a cool guy. Today, Musk is no longer cool, and when he shows up at a Dave Chappelle, uh, you know Dave Chappelle show, he gets booed. Uh, he gets yeah. booed by the crowd, right? So he's no longer seen as cool. And it's not just that he's not cool; it's that the people who buy Teslas tend to be blue state liberals, Democrats. Uh, Tesla vehicles are not a red state phenomenon. And um, when Musk took over Twitter and started spouting MAGA nonsense and repeating QAnon's conspiracy theories and so forth, he was sending a signal, and I don't think it's a very helpful signal to uh, people who might be considering Teslas. Here in Los Angeles, uh, one thing we notice is that um, celebrities love to signal their virtue by what they drive. And, you know, back no. in 2008, it was cool to like show up at the Oscars in a, in a Prius, right? So back in the early days of electric or hybrid vehicles, the Prius was kind of like the celebrity statement. Uh, then it became the Tesla. Well, today Tesla's are taxis and the cool car is a Lucid or um, a Rivian, right? So it's been displaced. And if you want a high-end fancy, you know, uh, publicity statement about your, your uh, you know, environmental legitimacy, It doesn't have to be a Tesla. There's other choices out there that are frankly more fashionable. So this idea that Tesla's uncool isn't just a matter of uh, Musk's personality. It's also connected to the car itself. Remember, you know, the the Tesla 3 that you just mentioned, that car came out in 2017 and it hasn't changed substantially, nor has the Tesla Model S. Uh, These cars haven't really changed a great deal. They're they're overdue for an update. And there's a lot of competition coming, Brett. This is the year when every major automaker is gonna introduce their competitor. Some of these cars will be better, some will be worse, some will be cheaper, some will be more expensive. So there's gonna be a range of competition, but the point there is consumers will have a choice. Um, and in terms of the uh, competition, it, Tesla doesn't have any lock-in. Uh, I've often wondered what's the lock-in factor. Is it the charger network? Is it the AI network? That's you know where all the cars are learning from each other. It, it's apparently uh, there's less lock-in for customers with automotive. Well, so than there is with what's software. really
2: interesting is you know the brands you mentioned as competitors to uh, Tesla, Rivian, and Lucid. Uh, not also from, you know, the big, uh, vehicle producers, um, the big guys, the traditional companies still really haven't got the design elements because that was a secondary, um, consideration, you mm-hmm. know, fuel efficiency and other things were the, uh, the category, you know, the, the way they would specialize. And so, you know, when you've got EVs and you just, you know, um, with, with plans for higher levels of automation, you've got to think about the cockpit and the car very differently from a design perspective. It's and
0: true. That's and another, the manufacturing, right? That's and the manufacturing process, the right? Like, like uh, big automakers are really great at making internal combustion engines. They've been doing it for a hundred years. Right, right, They're not necessarily great at making electric vehicles. And that's been evident, right? Like, you know, the electric vehicles that we've seen from the traditional car companies candidly haven't sold as much. They're very expensive. They don't have their same range. The big, big battle coming in 2023 will be the battle between Ford and Tesla, Tesla Cybertruck coming out at $70,000, and the Ford (laughs) F-150, the electric version of the F-150. You know, uh, a lot of folks think of Ford as a car company, but they stopped making automobiles. They stopped making sedans. Uh, Ford now makes SUVs and trucks. And the Ford F-150 is the most popular vehicle in the United States. So there's a lot at stake here for Ford. It's really an existential matter for them. And they're coming out of the gate with a uh, with a truck that costs about $30,000 less than the CyberTruck. Wow. It's going to be and it's going to have far less range, so you know, you, if you want to have a model that's comparable, they'll be probably pretty comparable in terms of price. But the battle will be really between Ford loyalists and uh, people who want that weird looking Cybertruck. So that's gonna be the battle to watch. And that happens this year. It's gonna be one of the most exciting things in the world right now, like old auto versus new auto. Um, But one thing to bear in mind is the recession. uh, And these cars are expensive. Electric vehicles cost on average about 50% more than an internal combustion car that's comparable. So a regular uh, internal combustion car costs about $45,000. And um, the average electric vehicle cost about $68,000. So it's almost a 50% uh, differential there. And in, in a recession, I think that's going to that's gonna weigh heavily on people's decisions whether or not to purchase electric or to stick with uh, the internal, uh, internal combustion cars that they've had. So anyway, for all these factors, I look at this and I say, wow, Tesla stock is down almost 70% in the space of just over a year. Uh, the CEO is clearly distracted and he's no longer considered to be Tony Stark. He's now considered to be kind of this MAGA boob. And so uh, we'll see if um, we'll see if he lasts. My prediction is that he'll be ousted from the role as Tesla's CEO by 2025.
2: Yeah, you know, I, um, I, I sort of like to think he focuses on SpaceX anyway. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You know, going back to Ford, actually, do you know the new uh, Ford Mustang? There's an EV, it's an electric Ford Mustang. I mean, talk about uh, combustion engine loving uh, types. I mean, geez, I mean, to see the freaking Mustang turn into an EV, what? This is mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, actually,
0: it's kind of cool that Ford was able to do that, right? That's a pretty big pivot for a very traditional auto company. And it's not a bad car and they're sold out. You know, there's a waiting list for them. So clearly it's got some appeal
1: there's a waiting list for all these cars. I mean, speaking of Tesla, anyone who's been through the Tesla uh, purchasing process knows that, you know, it's, it's very unique compared to the old way of buying cars. You'd walk in, you'd have someone actually help you. No, no. More like you wait seven or eight months. Maybe it comes in on a barge. Maybe it doesn't. And when it arrives, you know, um, no one really helps you just uh, find out where the car is in the parking lot. You drive it away. It's almost like getting a zip car, you know?
0: Oh, is that how it works? You just go find it. It's sitting there waiting <laughs> for you.
1: It is. <laughs> we went like in it was car.
0: like,
2: yeah, that's that's your car over there. That's it. That it, was it. They oh, don't show you how to use
1: video. it or anything.
2: There's an introduction video when you start it up. You know, and we didn't even get the introduction video. I don't know what happened about <laughs> that, but <laughs> no 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 so but welcome to the future
0: yeah i hope you enjoy the heck out of it uh good for you for making this making that switch i'm, I'm still sticking with an old gasoline powered bmw these days i've been hesitant well, to get into it we've Mainly got a project like we want exactly. to do in
2: 2023 we want to take a Porsche and convert it
0: to an electric vehicle like an old style Porsche, so. Hey, they're, they're, they're coming, yeah, that's true. Conversion kits are cool, but but they're coming, right? The the high-end auto German automakers are coming out with their electric cars, and it'll be really interesting to see what the landscape looks like. So anyway, a good year for electric vehicles. There's gonna be a ton of choice and a bunch of uh, turmoil in that space. Uh, we'll see if, sure. if Tesla can hang on to their position as being the most profitable maker of automobiles in the world. Brett, Brad, if you got other predictions or forecasts to share with our crowd.
2: Probably no, um, yes. Uh, no, I think one of the other things is that next two years, expanding a little bit beyond just the next 12 months, next two years, we are going to see more extreme weather events. We were, we were signaling this in the earlier part of the show. So let's jump into, into this cause, um, you know, the one thing that we had in 2022 is we broke all of the records, um, historically for eco refugees. Um, and this is primarily because of events like Pakistan and so forth, but we also broke all the records in terms of heat, you know, yeah. and extreme heat levels. Um, and so this unfortunately is going to continue. Um, you know, the eco refugee situation, we had 65 million eco refugees this year. I wouldn't be surprised if those numbers start to look normal over the next couple of years because yeah. of these extreme weather events.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I would, I totally concur. Uh, my my prediction would be that we are going to see the hottest years, um, the hottest weather in history in recorded history in 2023 and 2024. Um, my reason for saying that is that we are in the middle of what's known as an that's El Nino cycle, the La Nina cycle, and uh, you know, for the last two years, it's supposed to be a cold and wet time. Um, and in, right now here in California, we're having this uh, atmospheric river condition, you know, this torrent of rain that's coming. And it's much overdue. We are welcome it because we've had drought here for the last seven years. So we welcome that. But that's a side effect of La Nina, um, cool and wet cycle. And as you just pointed out, despite the fact that it's been a La Nina cycle, we've had the hottest summer in history last summer in in uh in asia uh, in china in india all across europe all across the united states we broke heat records and that's supposed to be during you know that's what's in what is supposedly the cool and wet cycle what's coming next in 2023 and 2024 is el nino and that's the hot dry cycle uh and that means that although um all these places that are getting inundated with water now are going to be green and lush and then they're gonna dry out sometime in the summer, 2023. So we're gonna see a range of wildfires all across the uh, the West in the United States and other parts of the world that got wet weather this year. But I think we're gonna to start to see record uh, temperatures. In other is words, that's a way of saying that last cold. summer is the coldest summer you're gonna have, even though it was a record breaking heat wave, we're gonna to start to see even hotter summers ahead. Yeah, absolutely. No.
1: It'll be hot every one summer. <laughs>
0: Yes. What's it like in um, Thailand? Is it super hot now in Thailand in the summer or has it not changed? The actually, standards? interestingly, it's got more moderate here. Oh,
2: um, okay. So it's gone from being more, you know, it's um, more moderate. But in um, Chiang Mai, in Bangkok at least, but Chiang Mai apparently gets a lot hotter. So yeah. it's getting yeah. up to 42, 43 degrees Celsius, which is uncharacteristically warm. So, um, yeah, I don't know why Bangkok is getting slightly cooler, but... Um, yeah, it's manageable. I mean, we've been here during the summer a couple of times and it's manageable.
1: It's still cool. in the 80s over here. So it's quite warm and a nice change what? compared to yeah. uh, North Carolina at this time.
0: <laughs> it's always it's always hot and humid. Uh, that's true, year round even uh, in that part of the world. One of the things you mentioned, Brett, is uh, people are getting displaced uh, and um, climate refugees. I think that's a really big topic because uh, certainly here in the United States, immigration and um, illegal immigration is a gigantic issue. There's constantly a conflict at the border. Um, and many people attribute those uh, those um, immigrants to exactly. people who are seeking better economic opportunity. But one thing we don't seem to take into account in the United States in no, our it's, discourse it's climate is that, related
2: too. Yeah, that's
0: right. They're leaving mm-hmm. because there is the climate is unsustainable where they live. It's it's no longer sustainable. Uh, I know a couple of people from Honduras, and they said to me that you know they still have family back in Honduras, and they said we can't go back. We could never go back. We could never live there because the places where we were raised used to be very fertile. And you could be a farmer, you could grow things, you could grow fruit trees and so forth. They said, that's over now, it's dry as dust and there's no way to grow anything. And that's why that's one of the reasons why people are being displaced and why they're leaving. So to your point, Brett, it's going to happen, right? Climate refugees yeah. are a fact, it's gonna continue. It's not just people who are being displaced by conflicts, but we are gonna have more conflicts over water, more conflicts over resources, growing in agricultural land and so forth. And that's gonna displace a lot more people. Uh, what we don't have, and what I can only offer a pessimistic forecast on is uh, the political vision to anticipate that and actually plan do something exactly. about
2: it I mean yeah. we've got yeah. the opposite right we've still got people arguing that you know climate change is not man-made and it's like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether it's man-made we need a plan to deal with this you know um let's just figure that out but you know uh you, you even have up until fairly recently you know the last president of the United States saying it was a Chinese hoax I mean this is this is incredible that we're so close to these effects on the climate and these massive changes uh, in terms of global immigration trends and food production trends, you know, food scarcity and things like that, flooding of over 500 uh, cities on, on coasts around the world and where we don't even accept that it's going to happen yet. I mean, that's just insane, you know, but yeah. Uh,
0: I wonder how long that'll persist. How long do you think fake uh, this idea that you can just boldface lie your way through a political career? Do you think that'll persist in 2023? Right now, we're starting to see some pushback here in the United States.
2: Well, it can't persist
0: forever, right?
1: Go ahead. No, there's definitely going to be a big, change this year. I I predict that there's going to be more uh more restlessness, let's just say when it comes to uh both the migration issues, climate issues and uh, overall just the political environment, you know, in the US heading up to 2024. Oh, it's going to be a big year this year. Just all across the board, we're going to see a lot of change, but it's necessary change. You know, we we need action taken. Absolutely. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be some plans will be put into place to help prevent some total uh, dire scenario. But yes, 2023 will be a big year for sure.
2: The one thing I don't think we will quite get in 2023 is I don't think we're going to get an invasion of Taiwan. But I think there's going to be a lot more saber rattling around Taiwan. So, um, and there's going to be more challenging of U.S.'s military will against uh, China, just testing the waters there a little bit, just to uh, let the U.S. know that China is getting more and more serious about this every day. And so, unless there is a diplomatic solution to this, and the diplomatic solution is probably that Taiwan agrees to become part of an economic um uh, you know, alliance with uh, China or something like that. That that's the one compromise that's possible. But I don't think Xi is necessarily prepared to make that compromise. But I don't, mm. I don't think there's going to be military conflict over Taiwan. But I think there's going to be more pressure put on on the U.S.'s willingness to respond.
0: Uh, I agree. You, you see that in the relationship between Russia and China. Um, the Chinese are. are are supportive of of Russia, but they're keeping themselves at arm's length. They don't want to get caught in the crosshairs of the United States. They don't want to get co- dragged into the conflict in any major way. Uh, so they're they're trying to maintain a little bit of distance because I think they're taking away the lesson that uh, that maybe uh, you know the the Russians should have been paying more attention to, which is that the uh, the rest of the world can actually unify. Uh, the rest. Uh, let me say so when I say the rest of the world, what I mean is Western Europe and the United States and Canada we need uh, that beautiful. on energy we need
2: that coming together on energy production yeah. um you know and the standards applied there we need that to come together in terms of corporate missions that the corporations must serve the greater economy and the needs of the people you know corporations that have been responsible for climate change i think are going to those brands are going to fall out of favor rather quickly
0: I sure hope it happens. You know, one of the things to build on a point you guys were making a moment ago uh, before the break about artificial intelligence is the role of AI in warfare has been predicted and forecast for years and years. And the very first issue of Wired Magazine back in 1991 or two, uh, forecasted the, the future of war, cyber war, they called it at the time. Um, Now we're seeing evidence that drones make a material difference, a material impact. And it's not just predator drones, you know, navigating above trying to take out uh, a terrorist leader or something, but now swarms of drones, coordinated drone attacks. Uh, we're starting to see evidence of that in the conflict in the Ukraine. And it's pretty clear that every military in the world is paying close attention to this. That's going to cause a substantial change in uh, national security policy and defense strategy but it's also gonna cause a kind of new arms race. Um, I can see now that every country in the world is gonna equip itself with some kind of drone um, outfit and they're gonna have- The problem
2: is that a lot of these are gonna be autonomous, right? So you need to start building ethical guidelines around the use of automated AI based weapons, which we don't have a global agreement on that. as, as
0: We don't. And we know that Chinese are developing them. Uh, specifically, yeah. they're developing drone systems to attack aircraft carriers. So it's very, very, very overtly a threat against mm-hmm. the United States. And we'll be hearing plenty more about that from the Republicans in Congress in this uh, election. That's a very easy <laughs> prediction to make. What do you think about the moon? What do you think about the race to the moon uh, and the idea of uh, putting... I would, base- like,
2: I would like to see Artemis get boots on the ground in 2024. I don't think it's going to happen next year, but I do think what we will see, I mean, in next year, I mean, 2023. This year. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's that old habit to break. Um, but this year, um, I do think we will see the, the first, um, second, maybe third orbital launch of the Starship as a test program, um, which gets us to... Um, the artemis program in 2024 so um you know we because the sls could get us uh, preliminary um sort of boots on the ground but bigger groups of astronauts and when it really starts to become you know an effort to um set up a base on the moon and so forth requires the starship so next year we'll see some really foundational flights for for starship and hopefully uh, it can get elon a bit better focused.
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, are you, When you say next year, are you saying 2024? Uh, or- 2023.
2: 2023 will see the Starship program expand. Yeah. 2024 will see Boots on the Moon. On the Moon. And okay. that it will be What's the Orion the program with the SLS initially. And then it'll probably be 2025, 2026 where Artemis uses the Starship.
0: What's the story with the with the space station? Because I hear that it's in kind of like late stage of disrepair, uh, or it's in need of of repair. Um, and and is that something that people plan to do, or is the relationship yeah, with the I U.S. Think the, the,
2: I think the current commercial, the current operation goes to like 2026, something like that, and then it has to be commercially driven. So at that point, they'll ask. Players like SpaceX and others, um, you know, to to look at taking it over. Um, uh, they will still rent. Um, space on the space station, NASA and the Russians. Um, Russians may also keep ownership of their side, so it's not a guarantee that um, the entire space station is going to be turned commercial, but at least the US side will probably be. So tourists will be uh, visiting there, Um, you know, it could be used by uh, SpaceX as a developmental base for um, moving the crews to Mars programs and things like that. So there's a lot of potential use of the space station, I know I'm getting tired totally spaced out on everyone, but.
1: And mining operations as well.
0: Yeah. 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 Asteroid mining, big topic, probably not for 2023, but definitely (laughs) out there. And there's plenty of billionaires that are chasing that dream. Uh, The idea is, you know, someone's going to, someone's going to send a a robot spacecraft to an asteroid or or asteroid that's made out of platinum or some kind of very, very valuable material. And they'll become the first space trillionaire. Like, okay. Don't
1: Look Up, <laughs> the movie. Okay. That's we, right. we didn't see Don't but look That's up why
0: the moon is
2: important, thinking. because they'll bring it back to lunar orbit. They'll, the fuel that they'll create for these robotic probes um, will be out of the water ice that's found on the moon. So the moon is the the stepping stone to be able to do these things.
0: Great. Real estate development yeah. on the moon. Next, on the futurists. <laughs> I, love I it. think
2: that wraps us wraps us up for the show anyway. It's a good, good way to finish it. So um, great, uh, Katie. Thanks for coming back on.
0: Yeah, good to see you, Katie. Oh,
1: thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, happy new year to both of you and happy new year to our listeners. Thank you very kindly folks for listening to The Futurist. Thanks for sharing it with your friends. And thanks for all those who've given us some suggestions and feedback and guidance on the kinds of speakers you'd like to see on the show and the kinds of questions you'd like us to ask them. That's incredibly helpful for us. And it's also very helpful, folks, when you're when you're listening, if you give us a five-star review on uh, Apple or Spotify or wh- wherever you listen to, to your podcasts. Uh, this helps other people find the show. And that's been an immense benefit for us. In the first six months of this program, we've grown by leaps and bounds. We're so deeply grateful to everybody. Really, it's the best holiday gift you could possibly imagine, the support that we've gotten from our fans. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you all very, very much for listening to the show. And we're psyched to bring you another year of the futurists big shout out to kevin and to everybody else who's been helping us with the show we have a fantastic crew of provoke media and we are grateful to you for that support and um we'll look forward to bringing you more stay tuned
2: we'll see you again
0: oh we'll see you all again very soon in the The future future Future. Well, that's it for The Futurists this week. If you like the show, we sure hope you did. Please subscribe and share it with the people in your community. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review that really helps other people find the show. And you can ping us anytime on Instagram and Twitter at, at Futurist Podcast for the folks that you'd like to see on the show or the questions that you'd like us to ask. Thanks for joining. And as always, we'll see you in the future.